0: Excited about having our next guest uh, join us live uh, on our hotline. She's Amy Perko, the CEO of the Knight Commission, which is exactly where UTEP's gym center was uh, last Monday in Washington, D.C. Amy, welcome to Sports Talk. Great to have you on the program, and thank you so much for the time. Oh, good to be with you, Steve. I think we were really interested more than usual just because of uh, Jim's appearance last Monday with uh, you know his opportunity to be on the panel with the night commission and as you might imagine when Dennis Dodd's tweet came out uh, that quoted um, Jim out of context uh, made headlines just shortly after he said it people were kind of wondering what was going on we were clear to play the full context of the uh, soundbite as it uh, aired during the meeting which gave us a lot more clarity and actually a little more disturbing that a veteran in the media like Dodd would, would put that out there with without really any type of context. But that's just part of the story, Amy. More than anything else, I know this was a big one for you because the Knight Commission doesn't meet all the time, and uh, this one was all about lead one and giving uh, Tom McMillan an opportunity to join the panel.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And just for for your listeners, the Knight Commission is an independent group, and we've been at work for a long time now trying to lead transformational change that, very simply prioritizes college athletes' education, health safety, and success. Um, two years ago, our commission made a very um, bold proposal and in some uh, in, in in some people's minds, controversial. Um, but we basically said, you know there have been so many changes um, across the landscape. It's really time for an evolution as it relates to governance of FBS football. And we proposed a separate governance entity be created for FBS football funded by the college football playoff revenues and that that be governed by an independent group, um, not just representatives of conferences and institutions, but also independent directors, including former and current athletes. So Lead One, to their credit, uh, and Lead One is the Association for FBS Athletic Directors, over the summer, they actually looked really hard at um, our proposal as well as other ideas and, you know, put forth their own proposal to the NCAA about how changes should occur in FBS governance. I think, you know, there are changes between our group and, and Lead One's group, but the bottom line is that we both agree that there has to be a different, and, a different structure for the governance of FBS football.
0: How much money, when we're talking about the college football playoff, is actually getting distributed back to the schools?
1: Yeah, it's a a great question because the the college football playoff, the the number one misunderstood fact in all of college sports is that the NCAA uh, receives zero in revenue from the college football playoff. The NCAA's... um, funding comes strictly from March Madness. And that's a major misunderstanding of college sports fans and, and media, as well as, unfortunately, some, some within the, uh, you know, institutional decision-making don't understand that it's important because we've, our proposal, we've said moving forward, you know, college sports is going to be different and and there will be new structures, but, but at, at its core, we have to align the revenue with the, with the rules administration and the liability right now, there are lots of lawsuits related to football. Uh, those lawsuits are handled by the NCAA with March Madness money. The college football playoff separately, uh, is managed by the college football playoff administration, LLC, um, a private company. It oversees that it generates 600, about 600 million a year, um, pretty close to what the NCAA distributes back in March Madness revenues, but that money is distributed by the college football playoff to the conferences to distribute among the 130 or so FBS schools. Now, moving forward, we know that the college football playoff will expand. That's going to generate, um, in the first two years of this extension, it's estimated to generate another 500 million in new revenues. And then once they go into, um, to in 2026, uh, you know, bidding that contract out for a longer term, you know, those college football revenues could reach up to two billion annually. Wow! So the multi-billion-dollar question facing college sports leaders moving forward is how is that money going to be distributed, and will there be restrictions on on how it should be used?
0: Could you see the potential uh, separation? of the CFP from the NCAA where they just operate independently, like we've heard the rumors of, of, of the NCAA and basically form their own league when it comes to football?
1: Well, again, it's the, the, the terminology is important here because mm-hmm. the CFP actually already is separate from the NCAA, um, and, and that's, that's been kind of the, the point that, that our group, the Knight Commission, has been making is that you know the revenue has to be aligned with the rules administration, um, and and you know at a minimum the CFP revenues should be covering the national operating costs for football players. It should be covering catastrophic insurance for football players. It should be covering a lot of lit- litigation, and 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 that's currently not. It's currently covered by March Madness. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Bottom line. Um, but it's just one of those um, kind of you know the system was what it was, and then they added the CFP, and they never realigned things the way it should have been. Um, so we have proposed exactly what you just said that that a new entity uh, be created that runs the governance of FBS football, um, and and that that new entity is funded by the CFP. Um, and again, the big change with with our proposal, what what lead one and the the gym centers uh, part of of all of those FBS athletic directors, what they proposed is a little bit different. That that FBS football has different governance, but it still remained under the NCAA umbrella. But right now, if you if you if you called the NCAA and said, I want to talk to whoever's in charge of college football, they would send you back to the operator and say, we don't have anybody on staff here. Uh, you need to call the five conference commissioners at the SEC, the PAC-12. And that's that's the way it is. And that's what, what, we've, what uh, both our group and the FBS athletic directors agree is a problem. Uh, just last week at a, at a major college sports uh, forum uh, in Las Vegas, the Kansas State AD was quoted as saying, And this is a quote, direct quote, FBS is a rudderless ship. So the the governance is fragmented. You've got, it's it's becoming the most, you know, lucrative. It already is the most lucrative, you know, college sport in terms of generating revenues. But but there's no unified leadership. Um, And so that's, you see that, you know, in the headlines every day with just, just different things that are happening, and, and uh, it's, it's really based on self-interest and which conference, um, you know, is making a move out of self-interest. And, um, you know, our big, our big focus really now that we know the CFP is expanding as well is that, you know, there needs to be some major reforms um, with the CFP beyond just expanding games and growing revenue. And we think it starts with the structure, the governance, and putting in some financial frameworks so we can make sure that, you know, a significant part, more than half the money or more, is is going towards uh, the core purpose of, of athlete um, education, health, safety, well-being, and other other benefits to the athletes.
0: Thirty-one past the hour, as we continue right now with uh, Amy Perko, she's CEO of uh, the Night Commission, Adrian.
2: Amy, I want to ask you a specific question right now uh, with uh, the college football playoff. I, I know that the Knight commission right now has recommended to add independent directors along with football players to their governing board. Why is that so important?
1: thanks for that question. it's a it's a great question. Again, the CFP is is managed by you know the private company, the LLC, and the board of directors of that LLC. Are the ten uh, are ten presidential representatives of each of the FBS conferences, um, plus the president of Notre Dame. In our view, good governance is also including the views and, and frankly, having a majority view of independent directors who are are not going to be swayed by what's in in their particular financial self-interest or their conference's self-interest, but looking out for uh, the good of the sport, the good of the athletes, the good of the whole. And that's that's um, you know a composition you see it's expected with nonprofit organizations. it's that's best, best practices. So it's really an anomaly that um, the NCA structure, as well as the the NCA board of Division one board of directors, as well as the CFP, you know include zero. Independent directors. Now the NCA does have um, an athlete representative on its board now, um, but we've we've proposed uh, many years ago that the CFP um, take those same types of reforms to its governance um, and have independent directors and athletes um, on that board.
0: You also went ahead during the uh, the last meeting uh, a, a week, a little more than a week ago, Amy, and you talked about the amount of money. That's being spent on buyouts for uh, mm-hmm. coaches in college football, and we mm-hmm. see it all the time. I mean, nowadays, schools have no problem uh, firing coaches with years left on their contracts, paying them upwards of you know seven, eight figures that they owe just to try to make a, a shake-up and have no problem with the fact that they're spending that kind of revenue uh, just to, uh, to, to make a coaching change.
1: That's right. We did uh, point out um, we have research on uh, drawing financial data from a database, as, as well as just tracking what's happening here. And it's a staggering amount of money that coaches have spent on severance pay um, for their coaches. Let me just give you a, a just in the past past two seasons alone, uh, there were 14 Power Five head coaches with combined contract buyouts of more than $150 million for 14. Um, We looked at the period over a 10-year period from 2012 to 2021, and it was over $530 million just for the football head coaches and assistant coaches. Um, And, again, we're talking about, the FBS is only 130 schools. This is not 1,000 schools, 130 schools. So the numbers are staggering. And, you know, there, can, there is something that can be done. We often hear administrators saying, well, we can't cap salaries. We can't do anything about that. It's true that they can't cap salaries. That would be illegal. But, but they can put conferences, can put a system into play just like what we see in pro sports of luxury taxes or some other types of penalties that say to the schools, if you want to spend excessive amounts in coaching buyouts, that's your choice, but you're going to be penalized for it in these distributions that, that we all share. So there are lots of incentives, disincentives that we believe uh, can be pursued and, and frankly, you know, must be pursued at this point Um and we've given those suggestions and and we're hopeful that that leaders will start really addressing that with some with some urgency because again, we the data are clear um, since the college football playoff began is provided you know more revenues for the schools, and some of that has you know really gone towards really great purposes with more benefits for athletes and and provided some more opportunities for. Um, Athletes, But the the data are clear. Um, Coaches' salaries have disproportionately benefited from those new revenues since the college football playoff began. And since the playoff began, coaching buyouts in total amounts have tripled since the CFP began. So again, unfortunately, we've seen that athletic directors and presidents have treated a little bit like unlimited monopoly money. In that respect, and that's just wrong for what we are still trying to operate is a not-for-profit educational uh, endeavors of of college sports.
0: Amy, my fear is that in a couple of years, once uh, realignment starts again, you're going to see the SEC and the Big Ten at the top. Uh, because of the schools that they've uh, gone after. And after that, you might have the Big 12, the Pac 10, whatever's left of it, uh, assuming there mm-hmm. is something left, and the mm-hmm. ACC. And then after that, you're going to have group of five schools, Um, and those might also be in different types of ranks depending on the status. It's almost as if you know there's going to be maybe six or seven different layers of all the teams you mentioned before in college football. Because right now, the Big Ten and the SEC is trying to position themselves to be king of the hill.
1: Well, again, you know, there's no question that we're seeing a different landscape right now with. Uh, literally, two two super conferences whose revenues are going to soar past have already soared past will soar well beyond everyone else, particularly on a per institution payout basis. I think the important question, particularly for Group of Five schools, um, you know, like like UTEP and others, is the ability they have. You know, with an expanded CFP, there will be more revenues in their programs, more opportunities, but, you know, what's a realistic and and, and what are the parameters in which they should operate their programs? Because, again, most of these programs rely very heavily on student fees and institutional funding, even though they are receiving some distributions from the CFP. So, again, looking at the core mission of why do we have college sports at our universities and um, really building some parameters. And again, the conferences can can do a lot of things on their own and not violate antitrust law. And so we see it as a real opportunity for a lot of the group of five conferences to begin to do, you know, create some parameters that uh, provide some more financial responsibility, but still are going to allow um, young men and women to Um, really develop and excel in their sports and receive these great opportunities of education through sports, Um, because really at the core, that's what it's all about. And um, so so it's a real, it is an opportunity for these schools, and, and we hope that they are able to, you know, kind of really accept and work towards doing work together to do some things a little differently moving forward.
0: Do you see it happening as you uh, as you convened uh, last week? Do you think that uh, this time around uh, we could see some you know a light at the end of the tunnel?
1: Well, it, uh, it's it's still really hard to say. I think you know, unfortunately, as a group, the NCAA, um, we we're hearing some presidents and others just say you know our solutions are in Congress. Congress has to help us, and we just think that's the wrong way to go about it. We think there's opportunities. If if a group of presidents now said, hey, we're going to, you know, we as a conference, we're going to start putting in place these luxury taxes on excessive coaching spending and, and whatever gets taxed, that's going to go in a pool. And that pool of money is going to go directly toward, um, you know, a medical trust fund for athletes. I'm just, you know, putting out that's, that's the type of idea and, and, you know, or, or some other pool that, that goes towards something else that benefits, you know, the, the athletes as a, as a group um, in ways that, that serve their health and safety. And, you know, those are the kinds of ideas that we need to look at and go ahead and earmark, earmark these new CFP revenues before they, they're spent in, again, coaching contracts and coaching buyouts and you know the money's going to be here soon um but again now's the time that leaders need to talk about a financial framework to earmark that money so it's going towards these purposes and then you might be able to get congress to help as needed but congress is not going to is not going to provide the solutions for college sports and, and that's why you know it's really helpful that the FBS athletic directors were willing to take on you know a controversial topic of We've done it this way for 100 years. We can't keep doing it this way moving forward. So how do we create a different governance and, and that will help us get to some different solutions?
0: Amy Perko is the CEO of the Knight Commission, and she joins us here on Sports Talk. Uh, I just have a minute or two left to go, but I've— I, sure. I f- I'd be remiss if I didn't get your thoughts on uh, just NIL and what you're seeing right now with name image likeness around college sports. And do you believe that this is going to be a subject that you could also be looking to uh, weigh in on, uh, at, you know, in, in the near future?
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking that NIL, you know, again, our group actually put out principles to guide NIL back in April of 2020, about a year and a half before any changes occurred. And we were supportive of, of, uh you know, allowing the opportunities for athletes to to earn compensation based on their name, image, and likeness. Um, clearly, um, there it's gone much further than that, and there are, we believe, you know, violations of one of the basic principles of not recruit using it as a recruiting inducement. Um, and you know so there in our view, if our principles have been adopted in April of twenty twenty, we would have a, uh, we would not have the chaotic system we're seeing today, but we are where we are. So we think there there will need to be um so, some you know I guess cleaning up in that area. Um, but but clearly it's been a positive for athletes to be able to, you know, to earn compensation for their celebrity.
0: Well, I would agree with that as well. And uh, we're starting to see it more and more around all the college sports. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see if there is reform in any legislation regarding NIL, uh, you know, how that goes into play. But that's probably for another time and and another conversation. Amy, really enjoyed the the, the opportunity to talk to you today on the program. Thank you so much. And uh, let's uh, keep in contact and look forward to having you back on the show here down the road.
1: Thanks, Steve. Good to be with you.
0: Amy Perko, folks, she is the CEO of the Night Commission. You can follow the Night Commission on Twitter, at Night Athletics. Come back with more in a moment. Stay with us, fours across the board, as Sports Talk continues. Back on Sports Talk, eight in front of five right now as we continue. Don't forget, a busy six o'clock hour. We're going to listen to a conversation we had with Mike Leach. Back in 2011, when Andy Lee worked with me on Sports Talk, ironically enough, Andy now lives in Mississippi, and has been in media for years, covering among others Mississippi State. So pretty uh, interesting how that oh. you know f- goes full circle.
2: Yeah, it is a real full circle moment right there. Uh, it's uh, what a coincidence right there, you know, with this whole situation.
0: I'm seeing a lot of buzz online about Mike Franklin committing to UTEP. And, Adrian, this is a big get for the Miners, isn't it?
2: Yeah, justifiably so. The hype is there. A running back who has a ton of size, Steve. We, we haven't seen the like of uh, a six foot two running back at UTEP since maybe what? Trayvon Hughes? Like, he's probably the last sizable running back that the Miners have had at that tailback position. And he's fast. He runs downhill. He uh, he totaled 898 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in eight games this year. So this guy eclipses over 100 yards every single game at the Juco level. And he was a Juco All American. So uh, you get a a standout player right there.
0: Meanwhile, you add to that list Torrence Burgess Jr., Another top JUCO recruit um, who's already with the club right now, the team, and uh, the miners suddenly have some some pretty intriguing guys at the back position.
2: Yeah, and, and UTEP has always shown that they love to be deep at that running back position. They like to have as many guys there as possible. Uh, I looked two years ago, right? It's Josh Fields, it's Ron LeWad, it's Deion Hankins. Uh, you have Willie Eldridge. They want to probably beef up that running back group, even though even though they have a uh, Dion Hankins coming back, he needs a you know two other. Running running backs with him
0: 100 right hey so our number one is coming to an end but don't worry folks just a little uh about a week away the west star don haskins Sun Bowl invitation barry Coburn's going to join us in studio next and he's going to give us a little sneak peek of what to expect kent state new mexico state north carolina a&t and utep so, you want to get a little sneak peek of what's going to be happening following the La Tech game on Saturday? Barry's got you covered. Looking forward to that conversation live with you. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Two is underway. Barry Cobrin, Victor Salazar with us from the Westar West Don Haskins Sum Bowl Invitation. It's basketball time, Adrian. And we got a tournament coming up here next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun.
2: One of the best tournaments of the entire year, Steve. We had uh, the Jim Forbes Classic, which was an MTE. We mm-hmm. explained the difference between the, uh, the both, uh, the two. And this is an actual tournament. They're playing for trophies. They're trying to play for MVP recognition, stuff like that. This is one of my favorite times of the year.
0: Yeah, this is gonna be. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So, welcome, Barry. Welcome back, Victor, to the show. You guys were here a year ago. Good to see you both. And uh, how are things going?
3: We're excited. Yeah. We're,
4: we're uh, six days out. Is that right, Vic? We
3: six days out. Days? Yes, sir. Thanks for having us, Steve. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks for being here. First, um, appreciate first it. First teams
4: arrive on Monday. So, yeah, we're, we're getting close. We are
0: getting close. Yeah. Uh, who's arriving on Monday?
3: We've got uh, North Carolina A&T and Kent State coming in. Uh, I get them, keep getting them backwards. Colors are similar, blue and gold. One of them gets here at 2.15 p.m., nice. and the other one gets here at 6.30 in the evening.
0: And then uh, when does New Mexico State bus in?
4: I just talked to them. They should arrive on Tuesday around 1230-ish. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, they're coming over, and they're excited, too.
0: That's perfect. And this is going to be a midweek tournament. Excited about that. Excited about these games, by the way. I'll tell you what, guys. uh, Kent State's a really good basketball team. I think that Kent State and New Mexico State is the kind of game that if you're ever going to come early to watch a game, this is the one you absolutely need to go watch.
3: You hit the nail right on the head, Steve. It's a great matchup, great matchup. Uh, we haven't had an opening round game like this in a long time, and it uh, it's going to have a good energy in there with uh, our, our neighbor up north in Las Cruces, the fans being able to come down and, and get the place rocking. You know, we're hoping for a great great tournament, great energy.
4: Ten State's uh, had... They're seven and three. They are the net ranking is what the NCA goes by to invite teams to the NCA tournament. They're thirty-two in the net ranking, so they probably have an at-large at this point. They're the best team in the MAC. They have three losses, but two of them are at number two Houston and at number five Gonzaga, and they were ahead by four with three minutes to go at Gonzaga. So that this wow. was a team that easily could be a top 25 team uh, at the end of the year and could get an at-large. That, you know, Playing New Mexico State is huge for them because that's another resume type team. If they could beat them and maybe play UTEP, they're going to have a road game there and have another resume type win potentially. So they're looking at this as a, a good opportunity for them. And they love coming here. This is their third trip in about what 7 years 7 years seven wow years. that's pretty yeah. good so this yeah.
0: i don't want to say it's an easy get but when you're a repeat team and you like it here it makes it a lot uh, makes it much more uh, um conducive to bringing them back doesn't it guys
4: this was int- the, the three teams that are coming here i don't think I, I invited any of them they all came they all said we're coming basically yeah. <laughs> on this deal this was you know North Carolina T and Kent State were both here in 2019, and they immediately wanted to come back. And New Mexico State came up with the idea of, you know, you and I, Steve, have talked about New Mexico State for 20 years, I yep. think.
3: I think we it. talked about it at the end of last year's show. It was it was discussed uh, that it was kind of under the yeah. un- did, hush hush, but you actually it. knew yeah. a little bit about it. Yeah, we we, we, we we
4: you know, and the, the only the one contingent we said is it's not a classic. We. Play it as a straight tournament. If they happen to both win or both lose, they're going to play again for the third time, and they both agreed to it. Good. So it's going to be exciting.
0: I like that. And part of me is, is I don't know where you guys are on this, because it would be great to see New Mexico State and UTEP in a rubber match. It really would. But I also like the possibility of UTEP playing Kent State. Uh, that's an intriguing matchup just because, um, you know, they could both be tournament teams by the end of the season, Mexico state and the WAC and Kent state can, can easily go back to the tournament as well.
3: No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in Kent state, such a strong team, well coached uh, one of the uh, front runners to, uh, to win their conference, win the Mac. And that's a good basketball conference. Uh, you know, don't let anybody kid you. That's a good basketball conference uh, up there. A lot of Ohio, you got Buffalo there in the New York area. You're right, 100% right. It's intriguing either way, either way. Kent State, a, a, a tournament team looking like it, and then, of course, a rubber match. I'm
4: going to throw a name out for you to keep an eye on. Sincere Carey is the star player for Kent State. Averages about 17 points a game. He's a transfer from Duquesne. Uh, was the MAC player of the year last year, I think, preseason MAC player of the year this year. He's someone to keep an eye on. How uh, big is he? Uh, he's a guard, uh, about 6'2", 6'3". Uh, but... Uh, yeah he left Duquesne to get to Kent State.
0: I like that by the way uh, Kent State right now seven and three uh, they are atop the conference along with Toledo. They're both seven and three uh and this is a team that you know you know will be right there towards the end. in fact, Ball State six and four Akron is five and four Ohio's five and four, but
4: was Kent State pick as the preseason Mac champ? Kent State finished last year winning fourteen straight conference games I think until they got to the tournament final and lost in the tournament final which is the one game all these schools have to win is the tournament final so that you can play in the NCAA tournament but they won the last 14 in a row they had most of their team back so yes they were picked to, to win the MAC this year uh very
3: strong team you know when you look at their schedule looking at it there are three losses at Charleston who's 10 and 1 right now picked to win the Colonial I believe Houston and Gonzaga we know through their national ranking and their recognition I mean single digit losses to all of them and if I'm not mistaken they were double digit dogs at Houston and at Gonzaga and they they you know hung in there, hung in there with those uh, national teams. That's
0: what I'm saying, guys. This is a uh, it's really going to be, I think, a, a terrific basketball tournament. And, and I'll say this: uh, New Mexico State drew very well for their first game in El Paso. They've drawn very well uh, in their games in at the Pan Am Center. And knowing their opponent uh, in day one and potentially day two. I've got a feeling that New Mexico State's going to have a very, very healthy uh, crowd come to El Paso for this tournament because they've never been a part of this before.
4: Well, I'm talking to all of you in Las Cruces. Uh, you know, your team was in California last week. They went to Pittsburgh this weekend. They're back in California this week. They haven't been in Las Cruces much for you to see them play. That's so, true. So if you want to see them play, these are two semi-home games for, potentially for you. It's a short drive over. We've got seats available. We've blocked sections for the Aggie fans. Have your, you really? Your band is going to be there. Your cheerleaders are going to be there. This is going to be a battle of the bands if they play each other. It's going to be an incredible new uh, environment that you wouldn't see in a college basketball game. This is the... Texas OU football game, potentially, where we're going to split it. And, you know, and now I'm talking to the El Paso fans. You don't want to have the place filled up with Las Cruces in the arena either. So we need to fill the place up and uh, make it uh, loud and rowdy and uh, have all both sides represented.
0: You play both angles like a champion, uh, that's, Barry. That's you, our you, job. You, you really do. Um, Would you like to make a message to Kent State fans listening online and North Carolina A&T fans listening online?
4: Uh, Kent, Ohio, and Greensboro, North Carolina, are you listening? Uh, we'd love to have you down here, you know, Brad. You say that, but Bradley probably bought brought a plane full of, of fans last year. <laughs> I don't think we'll and see won that the
3: issue. tournament and with won the, the support, tournament, it's so a, it's it's a good thing.
4: A lot of sports. There's there's more fans that show up than you think. I believe uh, it. And, and by
0: the way, speaking of Greensboro, as you mentioned just now, um, you know they they beat Greensboro uh, last week and two Greensboros. By, they beat Greensboro and they beat and, it, and, North Carolina seen Greensboro. Seen North Carolina,
4: and I talked to the coach yesterday, and he said that's the first time since 2016 they'd beaten North Carolina Greensboro. So they have the trophy wow. for, the, for the Greensboro uh, championship that they won. You know, this is a school, North Carolina A&T is the largest HBCU, the Historical Black Colleges. Um, they were in the MEAC, which was uh, an HBCU conference. Last year, they were in the Big South, which was a big step up for them. They left in, in, to compete with the Big South conference. They were only there one year. This year they're competing in the Colonial Athletic. Which How is, can they keep jumping around from conference to conference every year? Because they're bigger conferences. These are yeah. the Colonial is is a very strong basketball conference and has it always been. A you know has a great football program too, and that, a lot of it is probably football driven too because they're looking for bigger opponents and and whatnot. But Colonial basketball has always been very strong. So we have you know three conferences this year: the MAC, the WAC, and the Colonial represented on top of Conference USA that are are all strong conferences, and we could be seeing uh, two, three, four schools in the NCAA tournament coming out of this. You never know. Uh, They're all going to help each other as far as their resumes because they're all so good, and that only just compounds to make you look better. So whoever wins this tournament is going to have a leg up uh, come tournament time.
3: I like that. And, And I think it's important, as Barry touched on earlier, for the El Paso fans, you know, to be here and support the minors. It's a great time of year. Uh, coming to an end of all the non-conference schedule, getting ready for conference play. Uh, Coach Golding has done a great job here. He's 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 got a great, solid team that needs support here. It's a tournament atmosphere. This is what we see when we go to the Final Four. There's two bands there. There's a rowdiness to it. And, and, and it's an opportunity for El Paso to create that, help uh, get get UTEP kick-started for the conference season. It'd be great to win some hardware and then go into conference knowing that, hey, we we're, we got some momentum going.
0: Very true. Uh, Victor and Barry here with us right now from the uh, West Star Don Haskins Sumble Invitational. Years ago, this was a tournament in which uh, Power Fives came with regularity. Years ago, there weren't as many tournaments as there are now. And schools that are banking on home games today and home revenue weren't really looking at it like that years ago. Things have changed. The whole landscape of college basketball has changed. This tournament has morphed into, in my opinion, some of the best mid-majors in the country that are NCAA tournament teams for RPI and net ranking purposes coming here to El Paso. I know there are some fans that long for the days of uh, Michigan or uh, Purdue and 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 uh, some of those teams that were here years ago. I think Ohio State might have been here 80, years 80, ago. Eighty-three, right? Alabama, Still, Alabama, Nebraska. You're yourself,
4: we're talking forty <laughs> years ago. Now. Forty years ago. It's that's not, right. Didn't just happen uh, in the last few years. No, we it, talking...
0: it it changed. I mean, really, the
4: nineties is when it started to change, didn't it, Barry? Even you know. The Hawaii events and the Alaska events were the ones that started it. They, they don't even exist anymore. I don't think that there yeah, are any, the there's nothing Alaskan in Alaska. Shootout. There yeah. used to be three events in Alaska, and Hawaii had three or four events because they had you had to l- basically leave the continental U.S. to play in an exempt event. When everything really changed is when anybody could hold an exempt event, like UTEP did over Thanksgiving. They mm-hmm. held an exempt event. That's who we compete against. You know that you know they brought in Bakersfield and Corpus and uh, Alcorn to play in a tournament there and they didn't have to count those games
0: no but they could only do that once every how many years four years so that means they cannot
4: do this tournament again not un- here right but, yeah. until uh until 2026 they can't play in that same tournament more. that's and that's why we can't be exempt that if, what you're touching on we could do an exempt event but then we couldn't have utep again for three more three years because they can only play in the same exempt event which would be weird if you
0: did if you did a Sun Bowl powerhouse tournament, and you try to bring in Power 5 teams every year, and once every four years, UTEP got to play... Just wouldn't seem right. right. It would be it would be strange. Adrian, I mean,
2: I mean, UTEP fans don't even show up right now for their own games, let right. alone other teams. Do you think that would work? No, I don't. But I and I'd also say that uh, it's so special that the miners do get to play in this uh, this event right here. This is a, an unbelievable tournament that also uh, recognizes players and the teams who who end up coming out here. So UTEP uh, not being a part of this, I, I can't even wrap my head around that right there. I
0: couldn't either. And this tournament's been around since the
4: '60s, guys.
2: Vic, Vic can tell us exactly
4: <laughs> when the first tournament was. If I'm not
3: mistaken, it was 1961. I believe you were correct. Correct. Because
4: who played in the tournament in 1961?
3: <laughs> my baseball, my first college baseball coach, Gary Ward. With, oh, very cool. With, yeah, with uh, New Mexico State. New Mexico He's, State it, was
4: playing the very first yeah. Sun Bowl tournament and haven't been there since. since. It's been yeah. 61 years since they played in our tournament, so we figured it was about time we'd bring them back.
0: How fitting okay. that the last year they're in the WAC is when they get to come into this tournament.
4: Exactly yeah. was what Coach we were Coach Ward all was thinking. all tournament that year. Who else know? was on that
3: all tournament team? Uh, I was mistaken. I thought Coach Richardson was too, but he was... Uh, he was. Wasn't he? I thought it was yeah, a year no, later. No, Nolan
4: Richardson was also on the very first... Uh, little piece of history tournament. from yeah. the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. I like yes. that. Yeah. Well, we looked it up... Uh, but uh, this is huge for UTEP, and I don't think people realize it. You know, you, when you put a schedule together, you look at, can I buy some wins? That's the first thing you look at. And you only have a certain amount of budget to buy some wins, teams come in to play. And UTEP doesn't have a huge budget to do that, to get home games. Then you look at doing home and homes and who will come to your place. And you, so, but then you give up one of your home games because you're doing it every other year. Then you look at who will buy me. And if I'm a pretty good team, like New Mexico state can't get by games because nobody's paying New Mexico state right now to come play them. You know, Sam Houston was here last year. He got nine. He told me he got $95,000 to go to Oklahoma. Oh, he beat Oklahoma. They're not paying him again to do that. So when you put your schedule together, you're looking at buying teams, home and homes, and then getting bought. Then you got to try and fill the rest of your home schedule. And if you look at New Mexico state, they really had a tough time filling their home schedule. Um, it's going to get worse do,
0: next year because UTEP and New Mexico State are losing two they games. They lose
4: two because they lose each other. Right. And Conference USA only has nine schools. There's only 16 conference games. And you have, if you're in an MTE, like Adrian was talking about, you have to find 15 non conference games. Can you play two MTEs in one year? No, you can't. You can only play one MTE in a year. Okay. Uh, that's it. If you play in an MTE, you can play up to 31 games. Okay. If we have. Nine conference teams. That's eight. Sixteen conference games. So that would be fifteen mean, non-conference games. They've got, to, and, and none of, games, of them are New guys. Mexico State. You yeah. can't count New Mexico State. And New Mexico State can't count UTep. So they need fifteen non-conference games.
0: Where three of those could be an MTE, and that would leave. That's 12. usually what you fill. Yeah, yes. that's true. Still, that's still a lot of games.
4: But MTEs don't do anything for your budget because you don't get paid very much to go to an MTE. You're just trying to fill games at mm-hmm. that point. Is mm-hmm. all you're trying to do. So you got to look at the budgetary. So what my point is, there aren't any schools in the country out there who basically get two home games without having to do a return game, without having to pay a guarantee fee. We're providing two games for UTEP that they wouldn't be able to do. It allows them to spend money on other games and fill the rest of their schedule up. So. Uh, I think we're doing a great service for UTEP and for the whole community. And you're keeping the tournament alive. We, That's the most important thing. And perhaps. hopefully bringing in really competitive teams. I don't think there's going to be a higher-ranked team coming to El Paso or even UTIP playing than Kent State this year. I agree with you. They'll easily be the highest-ranked team on their schedule. Right, we'll come back. Uh,
0: more with Barry, more with Victor. Stay with us. 19 past on Sports Talk. First, let's go to Charlie. One to get this traffic update. 24 past the hour as we continue. Back with Barry Coburn and Victor Salazar. West Star Bank, Don Haskins Sun Bowl invitation next Wednesday and Thursday, twenty first and twenty second. So you've got New Mexico State, Kent State, UTEP, North Carolina, A and T. Winners will face off Thursday in the late game, which is the seven o'clock game. Seven thirty. We 730. pushed
4: everything okay. back a half hour this year, so it's five and seven thirty. Five thirty and seven thirty. Oh, okay. For well, the last cruises, folks who work till five, you got you can. Get off a little early and be here. We pushed it back so that you can see the game at 530 this year. Oh, good. Good, good, yeah. good. How much yep. are
0: tickets, guys? Talk about that.
4: For the tournament, for the good seats, cheap, 45 bucks. And that's $11.25 $11, $11. a game. Popcorn's more than that in the movies. And those are 10, for the good 10. seats? Yeah. Those are the good seats. Really? 45 bucks gets you the whole tournament. Wow. You know? That's
0: actually a really good deal for four
4: games. Yeah. And if you want to sit way up high, that's 20, $23, I think, for the whole tournament. So, okay. So but, it's maybe half the price. Yeah, basically. But That's good, guys. No, we haven't raised the prices in years. Uh just kind of we we do this for the community and we hope everybody comes out for the whole I25 corridor this year. I10, I10 mm-hmm. corridor, sorry.
2: Barry, do you all do any discounts or incentives for military members or students by chance? Why do you ask all the hard questions?
4: <laughs> That's what he's here for.
0: I know. <laughs> Uh,
4: I think we do. Uh, you know, our ticket t- ticket sales are all done through the UTEP ticket office now. We used to do most of it, a lot of it through the Sun Bowl office. But
0: how do you it- not notice? You've been with this. You've been with him for like a thousand years. You have the answer to every single question
4: on the planet.
3: There's a trophy name for him even.
0: I know exactly. You have, you,
1: you no, there own, are. I, I'm you fairly trophy. certain there
4: is a ticket, a student ticket price, and I think there is a military ticket. Oh, price. We, we found it, by the way. Yes. Did you Did you see it on the website? I know it yeah. says
3: student tickets are not general admission. They can't pick their seat. They're actually assigned seats. Can I yeah. Can I just tell you? I got to just tell them,
0: Adrian. I got to tell them. Let's okay. Let's do it. He was trying to set you up. He threw you a softball. He He knew the answer and he was trying to set you up as a genius. And instead, you dribbled it out of bounds and you turned it over.
2: he called Adrian, timeout with answer? no timeouts left. Chris All right, I got it. you. I got you. I'll clean you this got up. My back? No worries. You got my back? Uh, I got your back, Barry. Ugh. Let's get this going. $10 active military there you up go. to 4 tickets per military ID so military uh, families can, you know, go out to the games and $10 for UTEP students and the students can bring a guest at the same price. So, if you got a college student out there, take advantage. Just ask them to get that $10 ticket for you.
4: I'll make it up too. The first 4 military that that Contact the Sun Bowl office. I'll give you four free ones. There's your special deal. So that's a good deal. Four. First four military that calls the Sunbowl office. I got tickets for you. Is the Sunbowl office still open right now? Because that's always be great. there. Ellen's because then you then
0: you, then you, you give out the number and they're going to get a uh, voicemail. That's not good. I think it's, what is it It's – isn't it uh, – here, let me call the Sunbowl office right now. Make sure somebody's there for you before you do this kind of deal. Because that's the last thing I need to worry about. It would be
3: easier. We just put Barry's phone number on the website. So hang on. Let me see. <laughs> just, just let me just my my make
0: sure. Let me make sure Ellen's still no, there. Oh, here you go. Hang here
4: on. you go. Hang Let's on. do this. No, just do this. No, Send call, an email. Send an email All the right. first military to sunbowlbasketball at gmail There you go, sunbowlbasketball at gmail That's my. I will get that email, and, and I'll, I'll have four tickets for military
0: for the first for, it, for, th- for th- the tournament for the first person that gets in the first four people. What are you doing? What do you? would you say? I
3: say we make it eight. I'll I'll throw in the four also. Okay, So All right. The first
0: first eight, eight
4: people, eight military, military, and their yes. dates
0: that's 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 a good deal okay. so um so you said sun basketball at gmail at gmail com.
4: yep one word sun basketball all right at gmail.com all right.
0: Adrian, are you going to try to set him up for anything else he, yeah. he doesn't know the answer to, or no, is that so the only thing? You know what?
2: Actually, I'm going to say this. I really love the uh, program. The program design is awesome with uh, Don Haskins and the trophy. I love that.
4: You know, it's amazing. I never knew this for years. Jay Pritchard, who does our promotions, marketing, and whatnot, I didn't realize this. He, he's creating all of these yeah. things. He is an incredible artist, and he, Jay created that program, and he's done the last few programs. And he nice. did the football program. He, it is a very nice little... Uh, very young Don Haskins on the program. If, if you if you get a copy of it at the tournament,
0: you know what else I'm going to say. Um, those are the coolest trophies in all of in, in in all of sports. I love between the Sun Bowl football trophies, the basketball trophies. I think those are the absolute best. I was once asking like if I could get a replica. Those things are a fortune. I mean, those are not cheap trophies. You guys spend a ton of ca- uh, a ton of money on those trophies. I was
4: just talking to Eamon Ayub about that. What a great trophy we have! It's the trophy is a basketball coming out of the Sun Bowl stadium, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's really great. And uh, we I spoke to a uh, I think it was uh, one of the schools last year, at Akron. I think they said we found a trophy. W- in our trophy case and we wanted to check it's a basketball coming out of a football stadium. I said, that's us.
0: <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Hey, uh, for people probably wondering, um, and we are having the bottom of the hour. So sports is coming up here in a moment, how many non-exempt tournaments like this are there left in college
4: basketball? Is Adrian setting me up again here?
2: I, I should have done that. I should have asked that one.
4: Actually, it's an easy answer. It's less than two and more than none. There's, You're the only one. We are the only that I know of. Somebody may come up and say, hey, we're having a tournament. Regular, I would say. Yes. You know, somebody every year may decide, oh, we're just going to try and throw a tournament together. That is but,
0: amazing because there were so many holiday tournaments growing up and watching college basketball. It seemed like everybody had holiday tournaments. And then these exempts started, and now they're all gone. This is like the only one left in all of college basketball. I don't think people realize that either. I think they feel like everybody has these tournaments, and uh, they're as common as uh,
4: non-conference games. Here's one, okay. Where was the ECAC ECAC holiday festival played every year? About college basketball tournaments.
0: The ECAC, uh, go Madison Square Garden.
4: Madison Square Garden, in the garden every year. That yeah. was a big uh, holiday festival. And that, that was one we competed with regularly, and they were back in the day every year. But uh, but now it's all – but, but this is the Sun Sun problem. The West.
0: They're all exempt, and you can only play every four years in an exempt tournament in a certain area. So that's why, again, we talked about it earlier, if you do exempt here, then UTip only gets to play in its own tournament once every four years. Right.
3: Right. You know, to your, one of the things also we hear, Steve, is when we talk to coaches, actually former players, uh, we run into former players sometimes, uh, Final Fours and whatnot. They, they tell us when they go to these non-exempt tournaments, it's just a lot of crickets. They've got nobody there to support them, nobody to do what we do for the teams that we're hosting here, shuffle them around to practice, get them, get them to a, a dinner event that we do. Uh, it, they, they truly, truly, truly appreciate the hospitality. They love El Paso. Uh, I've had people tell me they didn't know what to expect when they're coming to El Paso, and they're just blown away at the size, the hospitality, the fans. Uh, of course, when game time starts, they understand that the fans are going to get on them because they're playing Utah. But it's, it's a great event. It, it is a special event. We hear it. I've been to exempt tournaments, and there's
0: forget hospitality, they just leave you on your own. You don't know anything that's exactly. going on, and you're lucky if you show up at a practice and there might be a tournament representative there to talk to you.
4: I'm, exactly. I'm working on a Mountain West Conference team for next year, a pretty good one, and they tweeted out they were in the Caribbean at an exempt event last week the week before last and they had a team picture it was the whole team sitting next to a cardboard cutout that said welcome to whatever that was their welcome was this cardboard cutout
3: oh my and God. i
4: tweeted the coach i mean i uh, he texted the coach i said i think we can do a better greeting than that and he said i've seen the mariachis <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah that makes you, sense you know, it's a, it's a different world when they come to our tournament and well
0: yep I'm sure. We'll wrap things up with Barry and Victor here in a moment, but first let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. So, uh, gentlemen, as everything starts, we've talked of ticket prices, we've talked teams, we've talked just about everything there is to know about uh, next week's event. Um, how. Far ahead are you in trying to schedule next year. We know one team that's coming. The host team, that's the the guarantee, but uh you've always told me that in the past, um you know, the hardest uh, team for you to get is the team that uh is coming in to, to play UTEP and has the hardest time to try to win basketball games. Is that still correct?
4: It is. Uh easily the team that, you know, knows that they got to play UTEP first and and they, It's kind of like the old poker reference when you look around the poker table and you don't see the the, the fish, pigeon. the pigeon. <laughs> I think you find out who it is, but I wouldn't say that about any of these schools. And, and it, North Carolina T is not definitely not one of those teams. They're in the a colonial team, and uh, it is hard to find that team. We are. I have a commitment from a, a school that uh, still trying to get a signed contract. That's the hard part, even after you have a commitment that will fill that slot for next year. Uh, actually a head coach that was a former UTEP assistant so we're excited to get him back and that was kind of the the hook is get him here working on a mountain west as we mentioned and, there, and then I've got two former tournament champions that both want to come back uh, for for next year as well uh, we we kind of hold that last spot for the final four and and see what might come up yeah, at that point, Vic's trying to spend a lot of money and get some good schools. Well, you My brought you brought <laughs> um, his money, not his money, but he's definitely spending money.
0: You brought Georgetown in years ago. Any chance you could ever get Patrick Ewing uh, here
4: uh, with the uh, current uh, Georgetown Hoyas? I know the assistant coach very well because he was the head coach at Howard. Uh, Nick, coach Nickelberry, he's the assistant coach, and uh, but and that, um,
3: that's the angle that we have to play sometimes. Yeah. Is is uh, for example, a few years ago, when when Tim Miles brought Colorado State in, yeah. the very next year he gets hired at Nebraska. We're able to he, he came he brought the team. It's a power five school that came back. Uh, we've had some teams in the past. For example, East Tennessee State, Coach Forbes, Steve Forbes, he's over at Wake Forest now. Yeah. And, and you know I, I, I needle him every time I every time I see him any chance I get a text message, you know when he sends me a, a text or something, I always bring up. That'd be We've fun. Got to bring it back. Got to bring it um,
0: back. As you guys know, there's a couple of names to bring up. One is Billy Gillespie because he's coaching back right now as well. Uh, and another is uh, Chris Jans out at Mississippi State. And look at what the start they're off to, 9-0 and so far this season.
4: I thought you were a Tony Barbie fan. Do
0: you, do you I do like Tony, Tony. and if you, you should bring Central Michigan in here. Why not uh, right. bring in the fire-up fire, fire up
4: in... chips? That'd be great. That, and uh, I think Doc just got a job at Oklahoma, I think I saw. Yeah. The porter hired him at Oklahoma.
0: So you've got connections. You've got connections everywhere. I good. wouldn't mind seeing Tony bring Central Michigan back. I think that'd be a lot of fun.
4: We had Central Michigan a few years ago with uh, – was it Keno, Keno, Keno Davis from Central Davis, Michigan? Have Davis you talked son. to Tony about coming? Have not. We Would you like me to make a think. phone call on your behalf? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I I'd be more than happy to uh, reach out for you. That's no problem. Yeah, the,
4: the teams you're trying to sell me, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay.
0: Well, how is Central Michigan? Have they have they gotten any better? Or are they still struggling? They,
4: they're four and six, I think. I said. All right, well, it's improvement from last year. Yeah, but uh, Tony needs a couple years. He yeah. just needs a couple years to do that. And they're so. they're in, the, they're in the Kent State's league. So, well, I'd like to know. see.
0: I'd love to see you bring uh, Jan's back. That'd be fun, especially with the start he's off to right now. You got
4: that
3: one. <laughs> Our old Miss is uh, in-state rival. There you go. I can make uh, Coach can... Kermit Davis was with Middle Tennessee State. That's right. They came here for the. Uh, the Conference USA tournament. I actually hosted hosted them. I was their host. Got to meet their assistants. Took his wife Betty and, and daughters out to to lunch. Uh, still have a great relationship with Chip Walters, their their radio guy.
0: Listen, relationships yeah. are key, guys. That, if, that's how they did, come back.
4: Did you notice who the head coach at the University of Texas was last night?
0: I did. I did. You I, have we his we played. I do have his number. In fact, I texted him congratulations. I have not heard back from him yet, but I'm sure he's had lots of texts after uh, everything that went down yesterday. Yeah,
4: there was a great uh, celebration after the game. Yes, he, he, we great. played it. Did you play the? We celebration? We played the audio of the celebration
0: <laughs> yeah. after the game.
4: <laughs> Rodney so. was was pretty excited. The players were very excited. They
0: seemed to be really happy they that did. they RT. won for Rodney, yes. they were yelling
4: "RT" and, and they poured and water
0: over him, and then they gave him the game ball, and it was uh, it was good for him. I'm happy. For
4: so that. we'll see what happens with that. If he takes him to the NC you know, the uh, Steve yeah. Fisher uh, did it once before, I nice. believe, and took Michigan to a national title. So.
0: Gentlemen, you've been great. We appreciate you both being here today. Thanks for the time, and I'm looking forward to a very, very successful event. Buy your tickets now. Oh. Easiest way to get them is just uh, through the
4: Sun Bowl website. And I, and I have two emails from Enrique Ortiz and Jose Murillo. For, nice job, for Military, uh, both claiming their their tickets to the tournament. So thanks, Adrian.
0: Got you. We gave away some good tickets. <laughs> uh, Basketball at gmail.com was the email.
4: Exactly. I think there's probably just there's probably four more still available. So Good job. Okay. Yep. Well, listen,
0: appreciate it, guys. Thanks for Thank being you, here Steve. today. Thank you,
3: Adrian.
0: You got it. Uh, from Victor and Barry, right over to ABC7 News. It's next. Come back with more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Barry and Victor for joining us. A lot of educational stuff. Very interesting, Adrian, talking about the tournament next week and tournaments in general. Can you believe that after all these years, this is the only non-exempt tournament left? So the Diamond Head Classic in Hawaii features Hawaii every year, like UTEP. But it's exempt because it's Hawaii, and Hawaii has its own rules. Like, they can play in exempt tournaments because that's where they're located. Same with Chaminade, but um, the rest of college basketball cannot.
2: That's so fascinating, and it's so interesting to know that this is uh, a unique one, kind of like one in itself, like one of one right here at the Sun Bowl Invitational, Uh, and that makes it more special. You're playing for a trophy, playing for something here. It's not like a classic where you just have three games, and at the end of it, you just go home. You know, It's it's kind of cool that people get recognized in this.
0: It really is. So if you want to talk a little hoops with us, we could do so today. Our uh, number is 505-6009. Speaking of hoops, just confirmed. Tay Hardy and Derek Hamilton will join us uh, coming up inside our Lubingo Oil Changer Studios uh, here in our six o'clock hour. About 30 minutes from now. Excited about having those two with us.
2: This is great because we get uh, one of the team's leader in Tay Tay Hardy. And then we get somebody who's really come onto the scene in the last month in Derrick Hamilton. uh, Oh, yeah. Who's really inserted himself into the lineup and made himself known as somebody who you can, uh, you know, look to as far as a bench role player. uh, Or even somebody who wants to play for some more minutes on this team.
0: Well, listen, I think Derrick Hamilton, we all know what he's capable of. I think for him, and he'll probably be the first to tell us, conditioning is going to be the key. Can he get himself into better conditioning throughout the season, shed a few more pounds, and get to the point where he can become, uh, you know, a, a fifteen to twenty-minute per game contributor? That would be uh, that would be enormous.
2: And uh, for the whole team, I mean, Derek Hamilton, for Tay Hardy, for everybody who wants to try to improve. Speaking on this, Miners have to improve uh, following back-to-back uh, blowout losses to on the road to both uh, New Mexico State and DePaul, uh, and then now they get a chance to host La Tech to open-up conference play.
0: That's true. That is very true. By the way, that LaTeX game is Saturday at 6 o'clock, right around the corner, folks. Tomorrow at 6 o'clock, it will be Utah basketball with Kevin Baker and Joe Golding live on location from Moon Moontower. Uh, excited about them being back there on the west side of town, just down the street from the radio station by the university. That's going to be from 6 to 7. So if you want to go out and see Kevin Baker and uh, also Joe Golding, this would be the time to do it tomorrow for UTEP basketball uh, at 6 o'clock. Meanwhile, as we continue here on Sports Talk, what about the fact that Argentina reaches the World Cup final, and uh, for Lionel Messi, a absolute uh, magnificent performance. Uh, he was great today, and opened the scoring. He had that uh, penalty kick, and then... <laughs> They set up a goal. I mean, you look at everything that he was able to do, and now one win away from that coveted World Cup.
2: I know. It's kind of like how the stars uh, aligned, right? I mean, this is what a lot of people wanted heading into the World Cup itself. They wanted Argentina. They wanted that representation right there. And they wanted one of the greatest players to ever play this sport in Messi to get that opportunity uh, to win a World Cup. Like th- this, What more could you ask for right now if you're a soccer fan? Tomorrow, uh, another great game between France and Morocco. And, uh, you know, I've, I've loved Morocco's story. I've really liked uh, the dominant performance we've seen from France throughout this World Cup. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to fi- uh, to find out tomorrow who will be Argentina's matchup in the, in the final. Meanwhile,
0: how about this? Argentina has not won a World Cup title in 36 years. Think about that. 36 years, Adrian.
2: Yeah, it's huge, and especially knowing uh, everything right here. It's Leo Messi. It's one of the best players of this generation.
0: Messi wasn't even alive
2: yet, and he's 35. That just shows you what it'll mean to the country, right?
0: Oh, it'd be enormous. And by the way, I think the uh, matchup between uh, Morocco and France is going to be terrific, too. And no matter who they play, no matter who Argentina plays, what a uh, collision course that's going to be this weekend.
2: I agree. I feel like even the consolation, if we're talking about Croatia going up against either Morocco or France, that'll be a a, a very entertaining matchup as well. So, uh, a lot of great stuff this weekend for soccer. And uh, yeah, it's just setting up for an excellent final.
0: 12 o'clock tomorrow, France and Morocco are going to be doing battle. Uh, That should be really, really uh, great, great soccer to watch. Um, Kyler Murray, we told you earlier, torn ACL, out for the year, carted off the field. The MRI today confirmed the injury, and uh, really tough uh, a tough break for a guy that. Um, I don't know. He said he's going to get a ri- he's going to get additional opinions and tests done on his knee. Why? I mean, if you have a torn
2: ACL, what more do you need? We've heard things like this from Kyler's camp in the past. Uh, there have to- there have been times where you know he's reportedly kind of ready for a game, but then they'll hold him out. Uh, I wonder if that's his camp. I wonder if that's Arizona who's who's recommending this. But yeah, kind of strange. I, I scratch my head at that one right there.
0: Well, here's also what's interesting. Um, right now. They don't even, they don't, they have no timetable for his return. They don't even know where his rehab will take place and who will oversee it. Because on one hand, you've got the Cardinals' medical staff, and on the other side, Murray has his own team of doctors and trainers
2: not surprising right there knowing that it's a quarterback it's somebody who is making x amount of money in this league and somebody who's already been pushing this front office left and right like they he he can push him around however he wants they threw in that clause earlier in the offseason steve about how he has to dedicate certain time to learning the playbook as soon as he found out that social media was having a, a frenzy over that storyline they they took that out of the contract mm-hmm. he has he has authority over this front office
0: when you look at his numbers prior to the injury okay okay and you see what he did this year so uh, again nothing spectacular 2368 yards that ranks 20th in quarterbacks in the NFL 14 touchdowns tied for 18th seven interceptions tied for 14th and a quarterback rating that's 21st in the league i mean you're talking about a guy that's anywhere between 15 and 20 uh, in the NFL in in, in rankings that's not that's not a franchise quarterback right there.
2: But they paid him franchise money and I'm with you Steve, I don't think he's necessarily warranted a lot of that stuff. That's no. what's going to hurt future quarterbacks who are kind of like on the fringe. Like you don't know whether or not that you should spend money on them or if you, you should let them walk because I'll, I'll give you a perfect example right now. It's not Lamar Jackson. People want to cite Lamar Jackson and say, "Oh, well, his contract, he's going to get paid. He's we know what kind of caliber quarterback he is." But Daniel Jones this offseason is going to enter this offseason with a lot of uncertainty around his deal, what will happen? Do they extend him? Do they try to lowball him and and you know come to an agreement? Do they franchise tag him? But the Kyler Murray news that we heard today shows me that you do not need to spend that kind of money on a quarterback that you're uncertain about.
0: I agree with you. All right, when we return, final hour of sports talk. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun for us, too. We are going to take you back in time to a conversation we had with Mike Leach, who we lost this morning at the age of 61. He joined us on Sports Talk back in 2011. So that conversation coming up, leading off hour number three after the Cowboys update here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Right now, I want to uh, welcome in uh, to the program uh, a man who is a National Coach of the Year and somebody who now has uh, authored up a couple of books, big ones. Uh, We all know about uh, his autobiography, but also a brand new book out called College Football Sports for Dorks that's what it's about it's who, very
2: appropriately titled for us that's very uh,
0: for this show absolutely and he edited this book as well so uh, welcome back uh, coach Mike Leach to the program coach uh, good to have you back on in El Paso how you doing
5: well uh, doing good I appreciate you having me on
0: hey we appreciate you being on with us and congratulations I'll tell you I'm so impressed coach uh, you, you're away from the game for less than a year and you've already got two books out right now including this one which I think is going to be a real popular one for, uh, for football fans
5: I'll tell you, it's it's for the guy that uh, if you ask him what time it is, he tells you how to how to uh, build a clock. You know, it's uh, you know, and I, I I include myself in this whole uh, dork category from the standpoint, you know, when when the book Moneyball came out, it was like here is a different way to look at baseball and different minds and different levels of expertise that uh, you can analyze these things and that you can borrow from. Uh, different approaches. Then there was uh stuff like free economics on the other issues outside of sports. And then of course the Mac- Malcolm Gladwell books. And so you know really what what we did is we we gathered up uh uh a, a number of people have done essays. We've got physicists an astrophysicist, a mathematician, an economist, uh uh a world backgammon champion. Uh Uh, a guy that's uh, run the spread at uh, a whole bunch of different levels uh a face reader uh, that used to work for the fbi and figure out if somebody's telling the truth or not or what they're thinking and so uh, you know what and just the the different points of view on it uh, are fascinating they're fascinating to me and and I'm sure there's a number of other people that will find it interesting.
0: No doubt, because like you mentioned, you have so many different people contributing to this book. And I noticed that uh, Ferhat is somebody that uh, is with you on the editing process and and uh, helping you out. And he's a guy that, did you get a chance to know him a little bit when he was at Texas Tech before he moved out to uh, to London, England, eight years ago?
5: You know, the amazing thing about it is I'm, uh, I, I don't believe I've ever even seen Ferhat in, in Lubbock, Texas. And the thing... <laughs> See, Fairhawk, who is a brilliant guy, he, he's in international finance and he lives in London. His his parents are, are, are college professors there at Texas Tech. He went to Monterey High School in Lubbock, Texas, and yet I never knew him there. I know people there that know him. I never knew him there. And and he himself, and he's a great writer, would write uh, blogs, you know, analyzing different aspects of uh, of football and 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 somebody sent me some of these blogs and and some things like that and i read them and just and i can't say i agreed with all of them but you know what 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 happens with these essays is uh, the point's not to agree with everything the point is, yeah. is, is is to read it and it gets your own mind moving and yeah i agree with this point this is a great point well not so much this one well this one's off base well this oh i never thought of it this way that'd be uh, you know really good and, and fair hot did a certain amount of writing those himself and then as I got to know Fairhot uh as he travels for his business, I've run across him a number of times, gotten to meet him. We started out with this kind of long distance phone relationship. And Farhot's one of those guys that thinks of one idea after the next and, you know, how about if we did a book and and anyway, so we did. And uh and it's taken off pretty well. It's been uh I think the the uh it's been fairly impressive. The um the reception of it, and uh, kind of unique, not a lot of people doing it, and it's funny, because we started this book, and then I was asked to be a panelist at the Sports Analytical Conference at MIT in Boston, uh, where come to find out there's several thousand people that look at, think about, and do this type of thing, so I think it's also a field that's really growing.
0: I want to mention the website is sportsfordorks.com, and you can you learn more about the book and pick it up as well. It's available as an ebook and uh, sportsfordorks.com. I know I've seen it on Amazon. I believe we have it here locally at Barnes and Noble. And uh, while you're at it, I just say pick up a copy of Swing Your Sword, Mike Leach's uh, autobiography, which is a bestseller, and you pretty much can own the best of uh, Mike Leach uh, in in about five minutes, which is always a way to do it. And for a guy like yourself like i mentioned a year ago you're coaching texas tech now you're a best-selling author you've got this book you host a radio a sports radio show on satellite um it sounds to me like you got so much going on in your life do you really miss uh do you miss college coaching at this point
5: you know i'm I, I miss c- coaching you can't do you can't do all, all this stuff simultaneously uh the, the most rewarding thing is coaching because you're dealing with a whole group of young men who are in the uh, the part of their life where they're going to develop the most and be shaped the most, I think, with the possible exception of high school. And then all for one, one for all. And any time you beat somebody, those victories are several years in the making. And so it's, re- it's real fulfilling, but it's kind of a narrow existence. It's all football, all recruiting. Uh, what's been fun about being out is the variety I've experienced. You know, I never... I never thought I'd, I'd have a best-selling book. I never thought I'd be on a radio, a national radio show. I never thought I would broadcast college football games. I never thought I'd be a consultant for a team in England and France. I never thought that, um, you know, I mean, I'm a, a partner on a college all-star game that we're moving from Phoenix to Tucson. I did it in Phoenix last year. Uh, you know, just all these things uh, together, and it's it's been exciting. I've got... Got a friend that said, you know that did a movie, got to go watch different facets of uh, him making this movie. and um, you know it, 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 it's really been fun, exciting, but I will say this: I'm on an airplane now more than I was uh, even as an assistant coach in
0: college former uh, college head coach Mike Leach with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. A lot of El Paso tie-ins for you, Coach. Uh, First, Edward Britton at Texas Tech, and now we're getting a chance to enjoy uh, Alex Torres' senior year. Has he played a big part in that win over Oklahoma this past weekend?
5: Alex Torres, if you're the University of Oklahoma, the individual you want to see the least on the field is Alex Torres. Uh, My last year at Texas Tech, we beat Oklahoma and Lubbock by 28 points. And the guy that really spearheaded that thing was Alex Torres. Alex Torres has among the biggest hands of any receiver I've ever dealt with. Uh, but uh, he's not a terribly fast guy, uh, but uh, took a screen or a short pass all the way against Oklahoma that year. Uh, didn't play much last year. I'm a little befuddled by that, not sure why that was the case. And then this year, of course, uh, uh repeatedly drove stakes in the heart of Oklahoma this last year uh got three touchdown passes if my memory serves me uh uh the, the ultimate nemesis for the University of Oklahoma is Alex Torres
0: no doubt and a guy that uh, like we said from right here in town and uh, kind of slipped through the cracks coach uh somebody that you just say to yourself man oh man you know how how did he uh, how do he end up at so many places before finally settling in at Texas Tech
5: you know, he went to the Air Force Academy, and there's <clears throat> and there's nothing wrong with uh, being in the Air Force by any stretch of the imagination. Sure, uh, and uh, you know, and obviously a very smart guy, uh, but then they don't throw the ball a great deal. And as a receiver, and Alex is a good blocker, so I'm sure he did a good job for him. Uh, but he wanted to catch uh, he wanted to catch the ball every so often, so he walked on at Texas Tech, and. Uh, uh, as a walk on uh, immediately secured a starting position and I couldn't be more impressed
0: well, let me ask you this. Since we don't have you for much time, Coach, I know you got to run. The book, again, Sports for Dorks, College Football, and um, along with uh, Ferhat uh, Guvin, Mike Leach, uh, editing this book. He's got a, a good chunk of the the, of the book as well. You can read and learn about his mind. That is the first chapter inside the mind of Mike Leach, plus his uh, autobiography, which is a bestseller, Swing Your Sword. News today, Coach, that uh, West Virginia has been told a Big 12 acceptance is coming. We already know Missouri is, is looking to go. To, to the SEC, give me your best uh, your best guess as how you think this entire college uh, conference shakeup is going to end up here in, in the next. Uh, let's go next six to uh, eighteen months.
5: Impossible. I mean, it's virtually impossible uh, on that on our, our serious radio show. I mean, and like yours, I'm sure we've talked about it incessantly. And and the one thing to expect is the unexpected because that's definitely going to happen. Um, I don't know how it's going to shake down now. Teams are going far and wide to these different conferences. I, I West Virginia is a great program. I think the competition's getting ready to uh, shoot way up for them, and that's even with uh, uh, Texas A and M and Missouri, probably Missouri out of the Big Twelve. And uh so I think I think it's gonna get tougher. You know, and if you're the SEC and these guys are all, you know, wanting to get the best teams to put as much money in that conference as they can, I think E A and M's a huge get. It's a gigantic university. Uh they get a the hundred thousand of their games, uh and you know, their T V footprint's huge. I think I think they that's that's great for the SEC. I mean A lot of times in the SEC they want to say, well, this team could beat this team, could beat this team. No, baloney. I mean, A&M could go in there right now and beat over half of them, and uh, A&M could buy several universities in the SEC, and they're all rich universities. And um, so I think that was huge for the SEC to get them. And uh, Missouri, a little more befuddling. I mean, I think Missouri's got a great market. They're a great program, and I think the SEC will be ridiculously proud to have them. Uh, uh, just if I close my eyes, my vibe, and you say, okay, if Missouri wasn't in the Big 12, what conference do you visualize them in? Well, I visualize them in um, in the Big 10. Yep. but The Big 10's rebuffed them, and, uh, but they're in a real stable conference with a whole lot of money, and it's pretty tough to argue with.
0: Well, I hear you. We'll have to wait and see how things shake out. Hey, in the meantime, Coach, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, continued success uh, on your show on Sirius, and uh, look forward to trying to catch up with you again down the road.
5: Well, thanks so much for having me on.
0: All right, take care. It's Mike Leach, former Texas Tech head football coach, and again, one of the authors of the brand-new book, College Football, Sports for Dorks, uh, along with his best-selling autobiography, Swing Your Sword. And if you want more information, it's available online at sportsfordorks.com. 20 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. It's always great to see Mark Bruner showing up because he brings us players. It's nice. I mean, Mark and I, we go back a long, long ways. When he first came to UTEP, women's basketball, and now he's with the men's team and he's delivered us a couple of great uh, individuals that are going to spend some time with us here on the program. Tay Hardy is here along with Derek Hamilton as well. Gentlemen, welcome aboard. It is great to see you. Derek, I like your glasses. They're, they're solid. I, look, trust me, Derek, I own, I own glasses, too, just like you, except when I drive, I have to put them on because my eyes are not like they used to be, you know? After a while, your eyes kind of go, go bad. So for me, that's why, I, why I've got them on. What about you, Derek? You, you play with contacts or, only, uh, or, or without contacts when you play?
6: No, nah, I play without contacts. Really? Yeah.
0: Is it difficult to tell the difference between the two teams, or is it pretty easy when you're out there not knowing uh, which one is which? Tell me.
6: No, nah, it's pretty easy. I don't don't have no problems on the court.
0: You want to why I ask you this question? Because um, in football this year, um, UTEP had some some very very good players, and they had a uh, linebacker that was terrific this year, uh, Cal Wallerstedt. And when Cal joined us in our studios a couple of weeks ago, he looked more like a professor than he did a linebacker. He had big glasses, and we're talking about it, and he was very uh, you know very appropriate. I said, Cal. Um, you know those look like some pretty good glasses he goes I can't see I go really I go well do you wear contacts during the games he goes no I said well how do you know who's who how can you how can you hit people because he had an amazing year he was destroying and blowing people up and so if you can't see and you don't have glasses on that's it's got to be tough to play so how about you pretty easy when you get on the court you don't have to worry about the glasses
6: no it's, it's real easy
0: that's good that's really good Tay, you don't have that problem, do you? Nah, I don't have that problem. All right, you have good vision. I like that. Yeah. That's that's solid, uh, gentlemen. Welcome both to the program. It's it's good to have you here. Tay, uh, you're off to a uh, a great start this year. You're leading the team in scoring, which is is good. Uh, I'm sure that's what you know you want to do. You want to have a chance to to make an impact. Um, and and Derek, you have as of late been seeing more time on the court, and uh, you become an instant fan favorite. You notice that, right? When you're in the game, fans love you. In fact. Last game you were in it at home. They gave you a standing ovation as you were leaving the uh, as you were leaving the court, right? Yeah, I'm telling you that's that's a, that's a big that's that's a, that's important. That's good. Um, let's talk about the two of you guys coming here to UTEP and uh, how this whole journey went. Tay, I remember we had you on the show via Zoom when you first committed to UTEP. We we. Talk to you then, and you were just getting over an injury, and talking about how you were looking forward to getting back to a hundred percent. You tell me, how long have you actually felt since you've been resuming all the activities and playing basketball that you're back to yourself, uh, pretty much a hundred percent?
7: That's a great question. Uh, probably, probably when I just started back playing, like physical contact. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the first month. I think it was July. Sometime in July. Like I was working out a lot in June, getting a lot of rehab, getting a lot of shots up, but I didn't start feeling like myself again until I actually started playing physical contact, understanding that I could handle that type of physicality while I got when I got back healthy. So
0: that's important. Yeah. Um and even though you get back to hundred uh, percent health wise, now you gotta learn a whole new team, whole new system. And even though you're a vet and you've played a long time in, in division one it's still an adjustment process, isn't it, when you go from one system to another and a whole group of uh, new teammates?
7: Yeah, changing the environment is always uh, – you always face some type of adversity, some type of challenge. Um, I feel like just on the basketball side of things, it's easy because j- just the player I am, understanding how to adjust to any and every teammate and understanding the reason why I came here, understanding the offensive and defensive schemes. So it kind of got a little easy just – just getting on the court and actually doing it uh, at a consistent pace, day by day. That's the challenging part, but that just take time. And I think I got there.
0: Do you feel more and more comfortable right now when you're on the court? That uh, now you're starting to get back to at least you know the, uh, your your basketball, both uh, individually and as a team player.
7: Yeah, for sure. Uh, the first couple games of the season, um, I probably just trying to get my my stamina back and all the other things that come with the basketball, just playing the game. Uh, these past couple of games, I've been feeling way more comfortable feeling back to where I was before I was healthy. I mean, before I got injured. But, like, just the team camar- camaraderie and everything, I just felt like that was there while I was hurt. You know what I'm saying? Just bonding with the teammates and everything. I feel like we have a great team. We're very close-knitted. So, yeah. What was it like um, bonding with Big Derek over here for the first time when you had a chance to meet him? Oh, Derek, cool, you know what I'm saying. He don't, he don't really talk too much. Uh, he, just, he just go out there and play hard on the basketball side, and if you talk to him off the court, he'll respond back. But when he do say something, it is funny, you know what I'm saying. He, he is he really a joker, a jokester? He, he, he kind of he a comedian, you know what I'm saying. He you know yeah. how to make somebody laugh, for sure. He got, he got a great smile, you know what I'm saying. He bring a lot of positivity to the team.
0: I like that. Uh, Derek, you tell me. Um, if you're a man of few words, I admire that. Are you the kind of guy that likes to do all your talking on the court when you're playing?
6: Yeah, I'm that type of guy. Yeah. Uh,
0: what was it like for you growing up? You grew up in Louisiana, right? Yes, sir. Tell me about what, what that was like for you.
6: Uh, growing up, it was pretty, pretty normal, I guess. My parents always made it sure so I had everything, so I never had to worry about anything.
0: That's nice. When did you start realizing that you were going to be big? Like, when did you start to grow? Were you always taller than everybody else in school, or did you have a growth spurt?
6: I was always taller than everybody. Really? I think I really started growing once I got to high school.
0: Okay. And that's when uh, you, you really shot up, huh? Yeah. Uh, did you play basketball the whole time, or did you start, uh, did you play football? What sports did you play as a kid? I only played basketball. Really? Why only basketball? Because
6: you could have played everything. What what, what what did you like so much about basketball at the time? Uh, just growing up, I kind of like watching a lot of basketball. And once I got to like middle school, high school, that was when I really started focusing on it.
0: Did it come pretty easy to you?
6: Yeah. It oh, I came real that. easy.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it did. Now, um, you're what, about 6'11" right now? Yes, sir. All right. Um, when did you when did you hit that last growth spurt? How old were you when you kind of shot up to 6'11"? Uh I
6: don't know. I think I was I think I was like 19 or 20.
0: Okay, so it's recent. It's not uh, it wasn't like you were 14, 15, 16 years old and suddenly you find yourself almost 7 feet tall. No, no. No, I, I hear you. But um, with the growing comes probably changing positions, because even if you were taller than everybody, um, would you, were you always playing in that low post role all the way throughout uh, basketball, or did that come later?
6: It came later. Like, when I started playing in my ninth grade year, I kind of played small forward to shooting guard. But, like, as I got taller over the years, they kind of moved me down to playing center.
0: How tall were you in ninth grade?
6: Like six three.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you know, that's mm-hmm. interesting because, Tay, I'll ask you, do you remember how tall you were when you were in ninth grade?
7: When I was in ninth grade, I was probably like six feet. Okay, probably. so it wasn't a huge difference. Yeah, nah,
0: no, that's right. But then you go from 6'3 in ninth grade to 6'11. Yeah, uh, that's, that's crazy. That is a major, major difference. Now, um, when you realize you could dunk a basketball without having to really try very hard, that's got to be a fun feeling too, right? Yeah, it is. Although, Tay, I've seen you try—you've not just tried to dunk. You like to dunk, too. This team likes to jam a basketball, whether it's warm-ups, games. doesn't really matter. There's a bunch of guys that like to dunk a basketball on this team, aren't there?
7: Yeah. We got a lot of athleticism on this team.
0: I can tell. Matter of fact, did we do a UTEP dunk contest this year, Adrian? Was that something that no, happened this year? No, we season? need
2: one. We need one.
0: <laughs> you, know, we us- <laughs> you know, usually when we have the— uh, exhibition games and the preseason stuff. We'll see a UTEP slam dunk contest. Do you think that would be with this group of uh, players pretty entertaining?
7: Yeah, but I think we already know who's probably going to win that. <laughs> and, uh, and and who will that be? It'll probably be Mario, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah. Rio
0: seems to be someone that loves to try and uh, do the most creative dunks uh, that that have ever that have ever come around. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can tell. Although um, I'll say this, you know, he might he might be a, you know the preseason pick to win the dunk contest. But uh, Derek, I've got a feeling you could throw down some pretty vicious slams yourself, couldn't you?
6: I mean, I could dunk, but like compared to hoodie, I'm not doing all that. All
0: right. What about uh, by the way? Uh, what about Z when you talk about his dunks? Because it seems like every time Z gets the basketball, he's trying to stuff it down.
6: Oh, uh, yeah, that's just Z. Every time he always tell him. every time he touches it, he's going to try to dunk on somebody.
0: That's the way it should be. I like that.
6: You know how many times I see big men, they get the
0: ball, and they have to dribble it seven or eight times before they can make their move. Why not just get up there? You're already 6'11". Get that basketball and jam it down somebody's throat. Right? Yeah. All right.
7: What do you think, Tay? Um, easier said than done. That's true. <laughs> that
0: is. That is very true. Um, guys, we've had an interesting start to the season so far. You went up in Texas. You played the very first game at Moody Center. What was it like with that crowd going up against uh, seventh-ranked team in the country and just everything that uh, you know Texas had at that point uh, in that game?
7: Um, honestly, that, that game against Texas still by far probably one of the loudest crowds we played in this season. Um, I felt like it was just a great start. To what could be a very special year for this team, uh, understanding how we go, how how we're gonna manage to win these games, what it's gonna take. Uh, I felt like that was a great, great starter, starter position for us.
0: Have, have you played in, in environments like that when you were at Southern Miss?
6: Mm, probably not. That nah. I don't okay. think so. Derek, what was it like for you? It was crazy. Especially since that was like my first time ever being in like an area like that, when the crowd was just going crazy like that, it yeah. was like real, real loud. But it was a good experience.
0: Fans start yelling at you personally, or no, just uh, just the team in general. No, nah, it
6: wasn't the fans. Was nobody,
0: the yeah, nobody got nobody tried to get on you because isn't that that's interesting too, guys? Sometimes when you go to a game in a road game, fans will pick out certain players and they will try to ride you the entire game. It's almost like they do their homework, they find out, and they try to get creative, get under your skin. Um, not like that in the Texas game at all. Nothing really, uh, nothing really close to that.
7: Mm, but if, if people do do that, I don't usually hear it. That's when you block yeah. it out. Yeah, don't, too much
6: pay t- uh, don't really pay no attention to them.
7: Yeah. All right. I like that. Go ahead, Adrian.
2: I uh, want to ask you, Derek, you made uh, the transition from junior college to D1. So you just talked about a new experience being in front of a big crowd like that at Texas. What's the experience like in general, just making that switch from JUCO to D1? And what's the biggest difference you see?
6: Uh, the biggest difference I see is the, it's the speed of the game. It's a whole lot different, and it's like you got to put in more work. Because the way I am now from when I first got here is a whole lot better. Tell me some of the biggest changes you've seen. Well like with myself. Yeah, yourself. Uh my weight, how fast I am on the court. And like Coach Cox and Coach Golden, they stay on me, challenge me, and they just been improving my skills really. How much weight have you lost since you've been here? I'd say about thirty pounds. Okay. How much do you want
0: to lose in general? Like, what is what's your current weight right now, and what's the ideal weight for you where you think you can? It would really, you know, put you in the best possible basketball spot
6: here at UTEP. Uh, my current weight right now is like two eighty. Okay, but like I want to reach two fifty, 250, two fifty five.
0: Okay, so you're almost you're about halfway there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty impressive when you think about it, Tay. He's lost 30 pounds and wants to shed about another 25 pounds. I think if we see uh, Derek here at uh, 255, that would be a, a, a
7: pretty uh, pretty terrific weight uh, for him to go up and down the court. Yeah, that would be scary. That would be real scary if you see Derek at that. he already scary now. Just a little less weight, light on more light on his feet. Whew. That's a That's a real big weapon we got right there.
2: I like it. Hey Tay, I want to ask you uh, and promote your what you have on your Instagram. It's an open endorse uh, NIL collective where you get a chance to interact with uh, you know fans or anybody who wants to interact with you. Can you tell us a little bit about this and uh, your overall thoughts on NIL and opportunities you can get?
7: Oh um, well, this open doors app we have uh, we already have one NIL deal in places like the Minor Collective. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of I believe it's a lot of donors from Utah who have decided all the. Uh, pitch in and uh make our way of living a little better um i feel like this is just a great opportunity to get a lot of athletes out there who are not known or just want to embrace their brand it just gets them out there a lot of people who can just click on that link in my bio and just try to get to understand me more as a person um find ways to interact with me it's just it's just a great it's like it's like social media in another sense for like athletes you know what I'm saying? Just getting people out there, try to get to know who you are, and just just build a relationship like that. I feel like the NIL thing for college players is just something that should have been happening uh, in the past. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of players out there who didn't just get the recognition or just the type of things I feel like they deserve to get just because the talent. I mean, the talent they have uh, portrayed on the court. Uh, we finally get that chance to do it and. We're just trying to use it to the best of our abilities the right way. By the way, you have
0: uh, also been in television commercials, I understand. Uh, How was that experience for you?
7: Oh, yeah, that was was cool. That was my very first time actually doing, like, some type of acting or whatnot for, like, TV or something like that. That was a great experience. I love to do that again. Are you a
0: classic uh, theater-trained actor uh, when you're not playing basketball?
7: Yeah, it's natural. I can tell. I'm I'm just a star in general.
0: I can I can I've I've heard about that from you and I've also heard that uh Calvin Solomon takes his acting very seriously. In fact, the last commercial he actually sent a text saying that that was his best work yet. So he is also uh like you very very um aware of his uh, acting uh, specialties and his acting talents.
7: Yeah, I think he had one commercial before me. So I think he got he got the gist of what was going on when we both did ours together, and he caught me, he, he kind of taught me a little pointers on throughout the uh, scene and stuff like Is
0: that. Is it hard memorizing lines or not so bad?
7: Um, this one wasn't too bad because it was only really one line. Probably if it was like a whole book or something, I probably had to uh, take like 150 takes or something like that.
0: How many takes uh, for this one line for you? How many did we do? Um...
7: It was around like twelve to fifteen. Wait a minute! You had twelve takes for one line? Yeah, you know I just be. I'm very particular. You know, all what I'm saying. Right. So you're a perfectionist. Yeah, I'm a perfectionist. I'm oh, you're a, a class. If it's his name
0: going on this, he's
7: like, he wants yeah. to protect. Listen, he's, he's yeah. like De
0: Niro. I mean, you know, he gets up there in a scene. He's got to make sure it's right the whole
2: time. He's like Lamar Jackson. He represents himself, and he's got to represent himself at a high level.
0: Yeah. What's hmm. your uh, What's your favorite all time movie? What do you like? What's My
7: your number favorite all time movie? Yes. I got like. I got a couple of them. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street is one. That's great. Um, I okay. like I like The Great Gatsby. I like movies with Le- 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 Leonardo DiCaprio. Who, uh, I also like this movie called The Social Network, like the start of Facebook. I saw that one. That too. That was a good one. Yeah, and it's just it's just uh, like a. It's, I'm I'm a horror movie fan, but like a movie like I wouldn't watch that's not horror is this movie like called Five Hundred Days of Summer? It's mm-hmm. with Joseph. Gordon, Louis something like that.
0: But you like horror movies. That's some of your favorites. That's
7: that's, that's what I watch all the time. I just okay. don't have no favorite one. I like all of them.
0: Derek, uh would you like to be in uh, commercials as well? Local commercials like Tay and and maybe use some of those uh that NIL opportunity to uh promote and and endorse certain businesses? What do you think?
6: Uh, yes, I'd love to be in some commercials. I actually had uh did my first commercial out here. Oh, you did? Yes, it right. was I forgot how long ago it was, but we was promoting, like, a type of water. Oh,
0: there you go. All right. How'd it
6: go? Was it good? Yeah, it was was very fun. That sounds like fun. How was the water? Pretty
0: tasty? Oh, yeah. It (laughs) was good. Well, you know, I mean, seriously, you know what? Part The thing is this. If you're doing a water commercial, you got to make sure that stuff tastes good, right? You got to have... It's important. I know some people think that all water tastes the same. It doesn't. Nah, I don't. No. And, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes you become a water snob when you have really good water, and uh, I, I get it. So it makes a lot of sense. All right, here's what we're going to do. Let's take a Sports Center update with Adrian. We'll come back. We're going to talk about Louisiana Tech this Saturday. Uh, And I want to find out from both Tay and Derek how they both feel like this team, where they're capable of, what will this team be able to do, and how will they be able to get uh, to the top of Conference USA with uh, the the, uh, conference season right around the corner. We'll do that in a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Final Countdown here on Sports Talk. Miners in Louisiana Tech Saturday, 6 o'clock, out at the Haskins Center. It's going to start Conference USA play. Tay Hardy, Derek Hamilton, our guests right now. Guys, uh, how excited are you about uh, getting ready to get CUSA play under uh, underway? Especially, Tay, uh, you were a part of this for many years at Southern Miss. Even though they're not around, you know this league as good as anybody.
7: Yeah, it is. I'm excited. Uh, didn't get to play Conference Last year, uh, conference is where it matters. Uh, these are these are games we got to get. So I'm I'm eager. I'm ready. And for you, Derek, first chance to go up against teams in
0: league play. What's that going to be like for you?
6: Oh man, I'm just I'm just very excited. You know, this is my first time going through something like this. So. I'm just very really happy to be a part of
0: it. Well, we're happy to have you here, and and looking forward to seeing what you guys can do. Um, so far this season, it's it's been it's been interesting. We've seen the good, which was uh, really um, you know playing the way you have at home, especially beating New Mexico State in that uh, game where there was eleven thousand plus. But we've also seen the bad, and the bad was uh, those last two road games where things got out of hand, and and you ended up losing uh, by twenty plus. After those performances, the good and the bad. You tell me, uh, Tay. Where you know what does this team need to do in order to start to put together a bunch of wins and and start playing the kind of basketball that you know you're capable of and fans uh, also, uh, you know, wa- are are
7: capable of watching. Um. Well, the thing you said, you've seen the good and the bad. I feel like we still have a lot of room for improvement. So you have yet to see the great. Um, I feel like things like that are going to come into play in conference. I feel like we're we're there. we're there, almost there as a team as far as, like, just committing ourselves to buying in on the offensive and defensive side. I feel like our coach is very persistent when it comes to understanding our, our identity of the team. So I feel like it's all going to come together this conference, this second half of the season. Are you one of the team leaders right now on and off the court? What do you think, Derek?
6: I'd say yeah. Tell me why, Derek. I mean, like dealing with tay he a, he a very serious person on the court. And like when you messing around, he's going he's gonna to get on you about it. He's the type of teammate to encourage you and keep you going.
7: All
0: right. That's that's pretty accurate. Tay. do you think that's uh, – did Derek uh, hit the nail on the head for you?
7: Yeah, I think Derek, right? You know, just uh, always trying to provide a, uh, accountability. You know what I'm saying? Just understanding that I'm a vet and that I've been here before, uh, trying to – we're all trying to find a way to win. We're all trying to understand how to win with this team. You know, what I'm saying it's a lot of newcomers, but just understanding what it takes. Um, I feel like I just feel like I I've, I've been with a winning team before, and I just I just understand that buying into what the coach says is is how we're going to win because he knows he knows the team better than we do.
2: Guys, uh, I want to ask you this, Tay, specifically. Minor fans, um, they follow players who left UTEP and maybe played here before. Uh, we know the fan perspective of kind of the transfer portal and their thoughts on it. But I, I want to get the player perspective from you all. How do you keep up with friends that you all had played with in the past or maybe opponents that you played up with a- against in the past? Do you keep up with them at all, or is it, is it kind of difficult in the middle of a season?
7: Um, I don't really do too much, like, keeping up with too many people unless it's my boys, like, a couple people I didn't play with at Southern Miss, just a couple people I grew up with who's still playing Division One basketball, even in the league. Uh, but I don't really do too much, like, searching around to see how they're doing. Usually it usually pops up on ESPN because their team is in my favorites or, like, they'll they'll even come chat it up with me and be like uh, how they play. If they play good, they play bad, and then I may – I may, like, go in there and see how they did and maybe give them feedback, vice versa, stuff like that.
0: Okay. Um, when the two of you are not playing basketball and you have a little downtime, what do you like to do?
7: Um, I like to read. Like, I just got two new books, uh, The Strategies of Containment and 48 Powers of Law. Uh, I also like to watch TV, still trying to look for a new show, probably going to start the second season of Westworld. hmm And... Uh, I also I like getting in that gym though, so it ain't too much I like to do other than that. So it sounds to me like between reading,
0: television, and the gym, you've got uh, you you don't have a ton of downtime. And schoolwork that's that's yeah, basically school, it for school, you. School
7: computers and stuff like that, I like computer programming. What's your major? Computer science. Excellent. Yeah, that's, right. I'm having I'm getting a double batch in that. My first one was liberal studies. Good for you. You All know right. how to code? Yeah, I know how to code a little bit on C C nice. language. Yeah. Very interesting. I like this. We're learning a lot about Tay Hardy
0: today. We really are. Derek, what about you? What do you do when you're not playing ball?
6: Uh, I really be hanging around my roommates a lot. We just have a lot of fun together, play games or whatever.
0: Who do you room with?
6: Uh, Garrett, Levick, Otis, and Jamal.
0: Oh, what a group that is. I like that. And uh, what kind of games do you guys like to play?
6: Uh, We probably would play like Fortnite or Call of Duty.
0: Oh, yeah. You still play Fortnite, huh? I like that. No, I, I, the reason I'm saying my 10-year-old loves Fortnite, and he's really into <laughs> that stuff. And the craziest thing, explain this to me, all right, and tell you, maybe you can, you can also help me out with this. What's the deal with all these skins? Why is it that when you play Fortnite, you got to have 100 different skins? Why can't you play with one skin, play with that the whole time, and not have to worry about the latest, greatest, limited edition skin that comes out that costs 10 bucks?
6: Well, it's like when you when you going through the shop and you see the skin you want, you you just gonna get it. And but then like, you're gonna but then you're gonna play with it for five minutes and then you're gonna put it away and you're not gonna do any more with it, right?
7: Yeah. Um, Come on, take I it. Guess, I guess I guess I would. I would compare like Fortnite skins to like probably like shoes for somebody of mm-hmm. their age. Like, oh, you like these shoes, but you you might want another pair soon. You know what I'm saying? It's always the newest thing out there. You know what I'm saying? Them went them skins. Some of them be looking way better than the other ones. Like, I ain't going to lie. I would, if I play Fortnite and I seen some of those skins, like, I might have to get a little V-Bucks for them skins for real. Nah? Like, so <laughs> so, so my my kid got
0: a, a zillion V-Bucks. He used them all up. And I said to him, I said, what are you going to do after? Like, when you're done playing Fortnite, what are you going to do? I'm just going to sell my handle, Dad. I'm just going to sell my game because somebody's going to want to buy this and get all these skins. And I'm thinking... That's an entrepreneurial answer. I actually got think a that's happening. Yeah, you it's got not, a that's smart not a bad kid. idea. That's not a bad idea. Maybe he will sell them to Derek. You know, Derek can do some commercials, make some nil money. And then he will give it to my son for his uh, for his skin collection, and uh, he will have a bag, you know, really good Fortnite thing. What do you think,
6: Derek? I feel like that's that's possible.
0: All right, maybe we'll, work, we'll work that out. <laughs>
6: Derek, what kind of guy is Jamal? Uh, Jamal, he's a real real cool dude. Always got a lot of energy, and he he competitive.
0: By the way, as we're running out of time here, have you guys ever been through anything in
7: your lives, like what these practices and, and what this environment's like at UTEP with Joe Golding? Um, I'm not going to say I haven't. Like, I've been around a coach who is very intense or who very, who brings a lot of energy and tries to control the tempo of our practice by, like, trying to be contagious with his energy. But, like, as far as, like, a consistent, sustainable, like – Thing where he ain't got to drink no tea or no cough drops, <laughs> his voice always there. Like, I ain't never seen that before, so he, yeah, he know what he's doing.
6: <laughs> I believe it, Derek. You, yeah, I have to agree with that. Coach Govind, he's gonna stand on you the whole time, and it's like he always got energy, no matter what, no matter what time it is. He always got, he uh, he's always full of energy.
0: I'm happy. Well, listen, you guys have been great, both of you. We appreciate you being here. Saturday night, 6 o'clock, you can watch Tay, watch Derek, watch the Miners take on Louisiana Tech next week, the basketball tournament. The West Star Don Haskins' Sun Bowl Invitation with North Carolina A&T, New Mexico State, and Kent State. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate you both being here, and uh, come back and see us again, okay? Appreciate you ha- appreciate for you. having me. You Tay go.
7: Hardy, Utah Miners, come watch us Saturday. It's going to be a blast. Go Miners! Go Miners! Oh,
0: that's a great way to end the show. Let's just end it right there, guys.